Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, by the organization, and by me. Family Broadcasting Corporation, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! Welcome to the Friday episode of the Sports Yak, episode number 193. You mean the Amos Otis episode? <laughs> Never trust a man with two first names. Amos Otis, the slick fielding Kansas City Royal, the 1970s, hit 193 career home runs, the most ever hit by a man named Amos. And I believe, Corey, he may be the last man named Amos to walk the face of the earth. (laughs) Take that in. Uh, I would like to dedicate this podcast to James from Niles. Really? James went into the Hall of Fame on our other morning show today. Okay. And Chuck, it was one for the books. Really? It's, uh, for those of you who don't listen to that program, and by the ratings, you don't. Hey, now. Three questions, best of three wins. Rebecca from Goshen drives the Amish for her job. Mm -hmm. A regular listener calls in. Question number one goes to Rebecca. Question number two nobody gets question number three goes to james we go to overtime question number four it was lengthy james oh hall of fame loves the sports yak god bless i'd like to tip the hat to that guy all right james congratulations something very nice about our tom rinaldi episode i've heard lots of nice things about the tom rinaldi episode i've I've not seen any negative comments. You've probably sheltered me from those, and that's fine. Here's what I'd like to say about Tom Rinaldi. You are at an age where this is going to happen more often, and I'll say this to you as your friend and your co-host. Don't block the blessing. Let people tell you that you are good. Let people tell you that you are an influence on their life. You know how much... I was just sitting here writhing in agony as he was giving me compliments. I do, but you have earned that. And if Tom Rinaldi is saying your leadership, your coaching is a part of the product that he's cranking out at ESPN, that's a huge deal. Well, that it was very kind of him to include me in his success. Don't block the blessing. But uh, thank you to all those who listened to that episode. And if you haven't listened to it, 
you don't know what we're talking about, just go back one. It's episode 192, and I think it's a it's a fun listen. And here's another treat for you listeners out there. We didn't include everything from our hour with Tom. You may notice the episode's about 40 minutes, which means there's some little nuggets that will be slipping in here or there. It's the Blu-ray version with the bonus features. Yes, <laughs> including including host commentary. Yes. I want to throw a few headlines at you and just get your response. Okay. Uh, headline number one, the Astros apologize. Corey, there is a train that runs above the outfield fence at Minute Maid Park in Houston. It's off the rails, and so was that press conference yesterday. This, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how many of you work in the public relations industry, probably very few, but you've probably seen press conferences before. You probably have an idea of what, how to handle something in a PR situation. And if you look at yesterday's Astros press conference, that's the exact opposite of how you handle something in a PR situation. You have an owner who sits there and contradicts himself within 55 seconds of himself. He says something and then 55 seconds later says, I never said that. (laughs) Then you have players who get up, and their apologies, at best, sound half-hearted. And the person who is sent to the mic to basically handle the bulk of this is somebody who wasn't even with the team for any of this time, and that's Dusty Baker, the manager. I mean, you talk about an absolute chaos yesterday down in Houston. I was... I was somewhat ambivalent about stripping them of the title before, but they handled this with such arrogance and such hubris. Go take the title from them, and I would ban them to AAA. I mean, that was just awful. And Rod Manfred, you're the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Do something. Yeah, no kidding. This is such a black eye. Nightmare. Hey, you got got people who went out on the mound and got sent to the minors the next day because their performance against them was so bad. Well, it was so bad because they knew exactly what you were going to do. <laughs> Ooh, that is a Pandora's box. Uh, let me address this real quick. Uh, behind the scenes here, there's a lot of construction. More than likely, you won't be hearing it, but Chuck and I can, and the level of professionalism we will try to maintain, but... It's uh, driven me crazy for the last three hours this morning. Let's see if we can get through this. All so, right. apologies. Very good. Uh, headline number two, Mel Tucker goes to Michigan State. Well, here's here's another one. And, and I was going to mention this in a college football segment, but glad to handle it now. Uh, Mark D'Antonio stepped down at Michigan State. So, here's Mel Tucker. And I'm not exactly sure what Michigan State is thinking other than I think they finally got to the T's in the list of people that they were looking for. Because Luke Fickle is the head coach at Cincinnati, and he turned them down. And I get the feeling that some other people had turned them down. And Mel Tucker, former grad assistant at Michigan State, and I'm not saying that Mel Tucker isn't a fine human being or coach. 
But here's what I see on the surface. He's been a head coach one year. He went five and seven. I remember hearing you say that the other morning on sports. What did he do previous to five and seven? Where was he at and what did he do? He was a defensive coordinator at some places and had he had he's coached around the Big Ten, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Uh has has a very good reputation as a tactician. And granted, he didn't inherit a plum job uh-huh. at Colorado. But here's the issue that the whole Mel Tucker hiring there, there's two parts of this. Number one, it, it appears as an outsider as though Michigan State is just saying, we're happy just to get to this level. That they're not really looking to compete for Big Ten titles anymore. Hmm. That, that's just my comment. I'm sure the Spartan faithful out there can give me 100 comments as to why this is great. Number two, this raises to me the whole issue about transfers in college sports and why do athletes have to sit out a year? Mel Tucker goes to Colorado. He signs a multi-year contract. On Saturday, he tweets out that he is committed to the University of Colorado. And on Tuesday, he's gone. And Mel Tucker didn't care about breaking the contract. Mel Tucker didn't care about, and he doesn't have to sit out a year. Why do all these college athletes who, here's an 18-year-old kid with everybody coming at him and throwing all kinds of ideas into his head, and he's got to make a decision about where he's going to go to school, and then he goes somewhere and sees it's not a fit, I'm not playing as much as, whatever the reason if he wants to change schools or she wants to change schools, they have to sit out of here. It is, it is NCAA hypocrisy at its greatest. And it continues to go on in college sports where the adults can go anywhere they want, but the people who are the athletes, the people that you're supposed to be caring about, can't do that. It, it's unbelievably hypocritical. I do have a third headline, but I can tell by your temperament it'll just get worse. No, that's fine. Fire away. Colin Kaepernick is writing a book. I don't care. <laughs> and there it is. I mean, there, Corey, as you know, you've written books. Other people have written books. Just because somebody writes a book doesn't mean somebody's going to go out and buy it and read it. Mm-hmm. Or just because they write it doesn't mean they actually have something to say. Right. He had to, He published it himself. Yeah. yeah, didn't he start his own publishing company? Yes. <laughs> he, Unless he went out and found one that had his name on it, which is amazing. He published it himself. Yeah. So that that doesn't get me riled up in the least because it's like that's that's one of the big, who cares? That's the tree falling in the forest and you're not there. What difference does it make? A tweet we got this last week was uh, a nice comment of, if you've never listened to the yak, Wednesday's episode is a great place to jump on board. You get a good taste of how Chuck and I maneuver, and then our guest Tom Rinaldi. Mm. Uh, But if you are new, and this is kind of a regular episode today, he knows everything about sports. I know nothing. I am very much the common man who knows little about sports. You seemed, and this is on Twitter, and then the next morning, you seemed pretty wound up about Russ Radke. I didn't quite understand the entire situation well, let's I, go there. I'm not wound up about it. I know a lot of other people are. Okay. 
and let's get you caught up on some things that happened this week. The Russ Radke story was actually breaking while we were on with Tom Noy Monday. And I thought about breaking it on the show, but I didn't want to violate a confidence. And so I held on to the information. Russ Radke has been the head coach at New Prairie High School for football for the last eight years. And he has been very successful. 78-20 and 20 record. Took him to a state championship game in 2014, I believe. And is beloved in that community. There has been ongoing strife between Russ Ratke and the athletic department at New Prairie. And Russ Ratke decided, I'm, not, I'm too old to go through life unhappy. I'm going to find someplace else to go. And the people at Portage, who have had a football program that hasn't won more than six games since 2004 and went 1-9 last year, are desperately looking to fix that program. And if there's one thing that Russ Radke has done in his career, in the places that he's gone, whether it's North Judson, Griffith, or New Prairie, it's he's been a program fixer. You buy into what he's doing, and he's going to get you wins. And so the people at Portage have, honestly, I think thrown a good sum of money at Russ Radke to come be their football coach, and he's going to go. So it's a big shakeup for that community at New Prairie because he had done a lot of good things in the community, and the people there really liked him. And I think they're a little bit stunned, S-T-U-N-G, by the move. Uh, but I don't think they begrudge him. I don't think they're mad at him or, or anything like that. But it's a it's a shakeup in the NIC because typically you don't see coach openings happening necessarily this time of year. And so the big question is, well, what will New Prairie do? Will they go to the longtime offensive line coach, Bill Gum, and have him be the head coach? I'm not sure Bill Gum wants to be the head coach at New Prairie. Uh, Will they go outside and pursue some other people? I could see them. If they want to keep a similar type of system, uh, there are some option coaches in the area. And New Prairie would appear to be a community that's on the rise and a nice job to have. Um, You don't necessarily have to run the same system. There are other good coaches around that run different systems that might be able to implement them with New Prairie's personnel. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out. But I thought that was a rather large move within the Northern Indiana Conference because uh, New Prairie has been a huge factor in the NIC all since Russ Radke's tenure there. So uh, from what I hear, you say he's beloved in that community. Mm -hmm. And more than likely, people don't know the full story. And if we've learned anything about human behavior, you make up the story in your own head when you don't know the actual facts. So. Well, and here's the other thing. He, he's he been coaching for 40 years, and Russ can be a little, he can be more than a little abrasive. He can be very gruff. Okay. And uh, now I've gotten to know him a little bit, and I think once you crack through the inside and kind of get his trust a little bit, then he then he's fine to be around. Okay. Uh, but if you're only seeing him, on game night, and you're the opponent, you probably don't like him very much. 
And there were some opponents who threw some stuff out there, said, okay, well, this is typical Russ. You know, he wears out his welcome. Russ did not wear out his welcome, um, at least with most of the people in New Carlisle. Okay. So you'll keep an eye on who might land in oh, the absolutely. New Prairie? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he's uh, probably getting to work in Portage as we speak. There's there's two football coaching vacancies right now in the NIC. South Bend Clay, which has been open since the end of the season, and I think that one could wrap up here maybe even next week, and then you've got the new Prairie job. Okay. Notre Dame has also gone out on the coaching search, not to replace Brian Kelly, but to get a couple of assistant coaches. And they've now succeeded in that task. Earlier in the week, they got tight ends coach John McNulty. Uh, McNulty is the former offensive coordinator at Rutgers, which is not going to wow anybody. He's been an analyst at Penn State the last couple of years. Does come with a pretty good reputation and has the reputation of being a good recruiter. He'll be the tight ends coach. And then they had to get a cornerbacks coach to replace Todd Light. And Brian Kelly decided to bring in a fellow by the name of Mike Mickens, who has been an assistant at Cincinnati for the last few years. Mike Mickens was a two-time All-American quarterback at Cincinnati when Brian Kelly was coaching there. So Brian Kelly is very familiar with him. Mickens is very familiar with Kelly and what his system is like. There are people that basically say that Mike Mickens um, – is an incredibly hard worker. He gets the most out of his players. I think he, in his tenure at Cincinnati, he's had two freshmen who have been at least considered for All-American honors at cornerback. And the other important part of the job these days is he's underrated somewhat as a recruiter. He's somebody that's very good about going into people's homes. If you could get him to Cincinnati, you would think that he could get him to Notre Dame, although could be recruiting a a different type of athlete Uh, and this is not a knock on Cincinnati but there might be some people who can get into Cincinnati that can't get into Notre Dame that's the case a lot of places you want to segue into college basketball let's because uh, there's been a lot of college hoop action since we last talked about it on Monday last night uh, Indiana played one of its best games if not its best game of the year they beat number 21 Iowa 89-77 at Assembly Hall Devontae Green is, uh, Corey, I don't know if you remember this limerick when we were kids. There once was a girl with a little curl right in the middle of her forehead. When she was good, she was very, very good. And when she was bad, she was horrid. And that's Devontae Green. When he's good, oh, he's very, very good. And last night, he was good. Indiana shot, hit 11 three-pointers last night. They're season high. They average five a game. And they just handled Iowa very easily at Assembly Hall. They're 16-8 and eight on the year, and they're still in the bottom half of the Big Ten. So they've got some work to do, but the good news for them is the Big Ten is rated so highly by all the services that any win they get really helps their cause towards the NCAA tournament. The antithesis of Indiana is Notre Dame. Notre Dame is sitting there with a very similar record to Indiana. I believe they're 15-8. and eight. Remember, the Irish lost to the Hoosiers back in December. Notre Dame had a chance to go to Virginia on Wednesday night and get what 
would be called a quad one win. Corey, what happens with college basketball is they look at all the teams and they say, okay, we're going to break them up into quarters. So let's say there's 360 teams. Mm -hmm. The top 90 teams in the ratings, we're going to call them quad one. And you get more value for beating them then you do a quad two. Oh, which that's is right. 90. I remember you, you, okay. you touched on this, I think, on Monday. Okay. I feel yeah, like, yeah, Tom, Tom and I were talking yeah. about quads. So Virginia was a quad one opportunity for the Irish to win on the road. Would have been huge. And they led for most of the game. And then Virginia gets a key three to force it into overtime. And Notre Dame scores a mere 49 points, including overtime, and loses to Virginia by one, 50-49. to 49. So another opportunity goes by the boards for the Irish. And where do they go tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock? Cameron Indoor Stadium on the campus of Duke University to take on Coach K and the Blue Devils, who are right in the thick of the ACC race. And yet, this is a game that... As I look at Notre Dame with its NCAA tournament hopes, they either have to win this one or Florida State at home to have any kind of hope whatsoever of getting the tournament. Because do you know how many quad one wins Notre Dame has this year? None. Zero. Zero. And it's just like we were talking about with Tom on Monday. They haven't beaten anybody. And then there's Purdue. Purdue on Tuesday night. They were at home against number 13, Penn State. They're coming off this win over Indiana on the road. They've got the fever building back at Mackey Arena. They come back to their home confines, and they get bootstopped by the Nittany Lions of Penn State, who come in and hit 14 of 26 from three-point range and run Purdue right out of Mackey Arena. And Purdue is one of the most enigmatic in an enigmatic Big Ten league where you can't figure out from night to night what's going to happen, anybody who bets on Purdue basketball is a damned fool. Can I quote you on that? Yes. <laughs> My son-in-law loves Purdue. Yeah. <laughs> anybody who bets on Purdue basketball this season is a damned fool. Thank you. How about women's basketball last night? Didn't they get a loss? Oh, This was a tough one, too. So Notre Dame looks really good in the first half against Boston College. They build a 12-point halftime lead. BC comes out and in the second half at one time went on a 20 to nothing run on the Irish. And yet Notre Dame chisels its way back. And with 18 and a half seconds left, the Irish trail by one. They get the ball into the hands of Destiny Walker. She misses the first shot but gets her own rebound, puts it up and in with one and a half seconds left. And the Irish are up by one. And it looks like they're going to get a road win in their fourth straight. Now in women's basketball, in the final minute, if you call a timeout, you can advance the ball to half court. So instead of inbounding from underneath, the basket where Notre Dame just scored, you get to inbound from half court. Okay. Boston College comes out. They set up. They see how Notre Dame's going to defend it. They call another timeout. Both coaches have the chance to change things around. Well, the BC coach must have done it better because Emma Guy is wide open for a layup, 
and scores at the buzzer, and Boston College beats Notre Dame 56-55. And that, kids, is a microcosm of the 2019-2020 women's basketball team. If you are a women's basketball fan, we can throw this in real quick. Uh, WNBA, Skylar Diggins, of course, former Notre Dame superstar. Listen to this lineup, especially if you're a fan, you know these names. Griner, Tarasi, Diggins. Yeah. All in the same jersey coming up. That should be a WNBA powerhouse this year. And if you're a women's basketball fan, that's going to be must-watch TV when that team plays. Skyler had uh, fallen somewhat out of favor uh, with Dallas. It had to do with her maternity leave. She didn't feel like they made enough concessions to her for her maternity leave and had basically requested a trade out of the organization. Hmm. And so they complied, and they sent her to Phoenix, and, boy, the Mercury looked like they're going to be a a really good WNBA team this coming summer. High school basketball. Tonight, the TV46 crew moseys on down to Napanee for Elkhart Memorial and Northwood, the battle for second place in the Northern Lakes Conference. You might say, well, Chuck, why don't you have the battle for first place? There isn't one. Northridge has already won the conference. They have a two-game lead on everybody else, and they play Concord tonight. Quite frankly, that's probably going to be a mismatch. Northridge, Coach Scott Radiker should pick up his 250th career win tonight. But we will be in Napanee where a Northwood team that is 13-4, and four, and I think that has surprised some people because they're uh, fairly young and inexperienced going into this year. 13 and 4 takes on a talented Elkhart Memorial team that is 10 and 8 but has been a little bit inconsistent this year. They can get up and down the floor though sometimes. So should be a fun one to watch tonight on 46. Man Corey, I was at a great high school basketball game Tuesday night. In fact, Tuesday night I think was one of South Bend's best nights of high school basketball in a long time. Because because you had two games going on that were terrific games. Adams played St. Joe at Alumni Gym. Very few seats available. It was a good house at St. Joe. Adams comes out and blitzkrieks St. Joe. They're up 15-2 to at one point. St. Joe works its way back into the game. A lot of people pay attention to the big man, J.R. Kinesny, who's headed to Notre Dame. But St. Joe has another player by the name of Will Terry. And I mean this as a compliment. Will Terry does things today that he will be doing in 25 years in a YMCA that will just bedevil people because they'll look at him and say, yeah, he's big, but he's eh, he doesn't look like he's that good. And then the next thing you know, he's got 23 points and 16 rebounds, which is what Will Terry had against Adams. And the e. Indians come all the way back. Kinesny hits a shot on a changing hands layup that was a thing of beauty with 30 seconds left to give St. Joe the lead. Adams races right back down the floor. They've got this water bug of a guard named Quintez Columbus who just streaks to the basket with a layup with the right hand, puts it up and in. Adams takes the lead. St. Joe calls timeout. They set up the last play. Kinesny takes a shot. He misses. Terry takes a shot. He misses. Ball game over, and Adams hangs on to win by one in a honey of a game, 65-64. While that was going on on the north side of town, down on the south side, Washington and Riley were playing their rivalry. And I know, I know 
that a rider from Bloomington had come up to take a look at Blake Wesley because Indiana fans are interested in IU's recruiting anywhere in state, including Blake Wesley of South Bend Riley. And Wesley put on a show. He had 35 points for the Cats. But you know what? Washington's got itself a pretty nice team this year, especially now that they're healthy. And they've got a young man by the name of Demarcus Vaughn, who's now a 1,000-point career scorer, having a really good season. He had 28 points in this one. It goes overtime. Washington wins it six straight by a count of 73-67. And they could be a real hot team by the time we see them play Marion in the final regular season game on TV 46. So that was a very enjoyable Tuesday night of basketball. Fast forward to Friday. What do we have tonight in the area besides Elkhart Memorial and Northwood? St. Joe goes to John Glenn in the NIC. Riley goes to New Prairie. That should be an interesting game. LaVille goes to Triton. That's for first place in the Hoosier North Conference. Triton lost to LaVille by 19 in the Bi-County, so I think the Lancers will be okay, but you never know on the road. And then the big game in the area is way out east where Westview takes on Prairie Heights. And you might say, Prairie Heights? Hey, Prairie Heights kids is 14-3. and They're tied with Westview for the lead in the Northeast Corner Conference, and they beat Westview in the conference tournament. They've got a 6'8 kid by the name of Mike Perkins who's pretty good. And, of course, Westview has Charlie Yoder who's just 36 points away from 2,000 for his career. So that should be a real fun matchup tonight in Indiana. And then tomorrow, Corey, we've got the girls' basketball regionals. And Bob and I talked about this in our social media preview yesterday. There are two matchups tomorrow. Actually, there are three that are revenge matchups. Penn takes on Crown Point. Crown Point's undefeated on the year. They're 26-0, and that includes a 12-point victory over the Kingsmen earlier this season. Obviously, earlier this season. But since that time, Penn has had two players come back. Caitlin Costner had transferred over from Elkhart Central this year. She had to play JV all year because Elkhart Central would not release her. Now that the tournament is here, she can. it's her senior season, she can play, and so she is playing for Penn. She can be a difference maker. She's a Division I talent. And then you've got Jordan Smith, a talented guard who's back from a back injury, and she's in the starting lineup as well. So two starters every turn. We'll see how much of a difference that makes for Christy Elrich's team. The other game in that regional at Laporte, the 4A regional, is Laporte and Munster. Munster beat Laporte way back in November. I guarantee you Laporte's a different-looking and better team than they were back when Munster beat them, and it would not surprise me at all to see Laporte advance to the regional final. Rob Walker's done a nice job there with the Slicers. Then the 3A regional over at Jimtown. Marion takes on Northwood. Of course, we saw Marion last week on 46. The Knights avenged losses to St. Joe and Washington during that sectional to advance to the regional. But now they play a team that they beat during the regular season in Northwood. Beat them by eight at Marion. Adam Yoder has won sectionals at Northwood, has not been able to win a regional. Highly motivated. He's got two very good bigs in Maddie Payne and Kate Ruley. The question is, can that Marion guard combination of Nevaeh Foster and Mackenzie Hudgen, along with their big, Christina Heimlich, dominate things enough in the backcourt, or will we see 
Millick or Miller and Minnick step up for Northwood and be a force. The winner of that game at 10 o'clock, likely to play Knox for the championship. Redskins should have an easy time with Lighthouse CPA tomorrow. And Neil Minnick's squad, looking to go 25-1 and with a win tomorrow morning, uh, could be a tough out in the championship. Also, good luck to teams like Bremen, Oregon Davis, as they go on in the regional tomorrow. Where does the uh, state championship get played? That gets played down at Banker's Life in Indianapolis. Okay. Mm -hmm. Pitchers and catchers have started to report, and there's still a lot of wonder as to whether Chris Bryant is going to be on this Cubs roster when opening day comes. Now, people like David Ross, the manager, it's out of his bailiwick, so he basically says, hey, we're preparing as though KB is going to be our third baseman. Uh, But I continue to hear talk that the Cubs are very active to want to get Nolan Arenado from Colorado. And I would think that if they're going to get Nolan Arenado, the logical person to send to the Rockies would be Chris Bryant. We'll see how this all plays out, but I think it's worth keeping an eye on if you're a Cubs fan. Here's the other thing that's worth keeping an eye on if you're a Cubs fan. The marquee network. But the problem is, how are you going to watch it? How are you going to keep an eye on it when here we are about eight days from the start of spring training and the marquee network still ain't on Comcast? I entered a contest yesterday on Twitter. It's a t-shirt company that does, uh, they're very fan-based on like Cubs lingo. And uh, I thought I came up with a good one yesterday. Baseball is so much better when it's on TV. (laughs) Yes. I felt pretty good about that. That helps. (laughs) I'm a little upset about Ben Zobris bowing out. I don't know if it's been an official word or not yet. Yeah, there's nothing official, but he has not shown up for spring training, which is usually a sign that that's a bummer. I'm not playing anymore. That's but a bummer. Divorce is a messy thing. Yeah, really took the winds out of his sails. I mean, I'm glad he came back. I'm glad we got to see him in South Bend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, what a way to go out! At least one more season would have been great. But you know what? He's got kids. Probably maneuvering two different places to live. Yeah, it's a bummer. Total bummer. Daytona. So last night uh, was the qualifying for the Daytona 500. They have these twin 125, uh, what they call dual races, and uh, basically two heats, and then your your finish in those uh, determines your positioning for the great American race. This has always been something that has fascinated me about NASCAR is that their premier event, and let's face it, the day you can throw Talladega, you can throw the Brickyard, you can throw all that other stuff in there, but the premier event of the NASCAR season is their opening race of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that has to do with the fact of, you know, in February there's not a lot of other things going on. We've had the Super Bowl, so football is done other than the XFL. And you're not into March Madness just yet. And so the question is, okay, well, what what is going to happen here with the starting lineup of the Daytona 500? And I'm, I'm trying to get it on my phone right now. I can tell you this much. Ryan Newman out of South Bend LaSalle High School finished third in his twin 125 last night. So he should have a a pretty good starting spot in this Daytona grid. 
And then Justin Haley, the young man out of Winnemac, Indiana, he was already locked into the field, so he didn't have anything to worry about last night. So Ryan Newman will start seventh on Sunday for this edition of the Daytona 500, and you have to go... Um, you have to go down a ways to get to Justin Haley. He'll start 33rd in this 40-car field. The pole sitter is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I will admit, I'm not the biggest NASCAR fan, but I do find Daytona, just because of the tradition of it and the fact that it's kind of the Super Bowl of NASCAR racing, I do find it a little bit interesting, so I'll probably watch a few laps of that. Okay. I feel good about this. Yes. That's a whole lot. It's a patchwork quilt. But nevertheless, it will come together in one seamless tapestry that we call the Amos Otis episode. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Huey Lewis. He's making the press rounds. They put out a new record this week called Weather. What see, a great inside joke. You see, well, because Huey Lewis was with the news. Mm-hmm. The big hit album was sports. I mean, if Uncle Chuck gets it, then everybody should get it. News, sports, and weather. <laughs> I love it. So he's lost his hearing. He's a year and nine months into trying to figure out what exactly is happening. So they're recording a new record, and they could only do seven songs. But he's been doing the press, and he can't even perform. He's been telling stories, doing whatever. Why don't we hook him up with Terry Hanratty? It's a good question. <laughs> it's a great question. Episode 170-something. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> but he said something great that we'll leave you with. Uh, on the on a podcast, he was being interviewed uh, just about the, the the massive success, and what if that success wasn't there? What if you can't sing anymore? You know, what if you telling a rock star you don't have a voice anymore? That's you know, telling a comedian you don't get to talk anymore. Telling you no more talking. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have something in place. I tell people, you know, it, it's a good thing to get a life, just in case the career doesn't go so good. You know, a life <laughs> is a good thing to have. Yeah. Uh, just just in case the career doesn't do it yet. So with that, we'll leave you with that quote. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga, Amos Otis. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann as himself. Produced by Corey Mann. The Sports Yak theme song by Rhett Walker. Production elements and voiceovers by AudibleGenesis.com. Engineered by Phil Souza. Executive producer is Danae Hughes. In partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Interested in your own podcast? Contact Danae at Danae at StudioDNA.media. Sports Yak archives available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.